Hi, I'm Anthony. And I'm Thane, and you're listening to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners. And last month, I was running the Lulworth Cove Trail Marathon. Didn't quite go as planned. This is Runners on Trail, episode 10. So we're back and we've managed to do two podcasts over two months. It's a record again. Uh, So yes, I hope you enjoyed listening to Thane smash himself to bits in Spine Fusion. You did really well. I'm going to say it just again. Thank you. Yeah. And and you've still got your race beard. I know. I'm impressed. So this is about the Lower Cove Trail Marathon. And if you've seen the title of this podcast, uh, More Trail and Error, you can probably judge that it didn't quite go as I'd liked it to have done. And we're going to talk about why and what happened and really uh, what we can take from that. So look, Lulworth Cove Trail Marathon, great idea, I think, run by the Trail Events Company. And they do it in a variety of places around the south coast and southwest of England in that they run four different events in the same place with different start times. The courses aren't even run on the same courses necessarily. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, different courses, uh, but with the same start and finish space. Mm. So for the Lulworth Cove Trail Marathon, they did a 10K, a half marathon, a marathon and an ultra which all sort of have some bits of the same courses, but then you split off to do different bits to get back. Yeah. There's one like that in Salisbury. Is that run by the same company? I don't know. Might be. Okay. I said there's one on Exmoor as well, which is even more gnarly than the Lulworth Cove one, okay. which is gnarly enough. Uh, so I applied for this to give myself a decent warm-up before the Squamish 50-50, which I'm doing in August. And it had all the hallmarks of being a perfect training race. The Squamish... 50k is clearly 50k, 30 miles, uh, with 2,500 metres of climb. And the Lulworth Cove Marathon had clearly a marathon distance with 2,100 metres of climb. So I thought it'd be fairly representative and give me a good idea what I was going to be experiencing. And so that's why I went for it. So has that got the same kind of climb to to distance ratio yeah, exactly. proportion yeah, as you're what, expecting on Squamish? Yeah, and that's why I didn't do the Ultra, because really the Ultra had a easier climb to distance ratio right okay than the marathon did yes so that's why i did it was that wasn't that much more climb yeah, for the extra for distance. extra long distance yeah, which yeah, i thought yeah. would actually give my legs more time to recover uh, yes. from the hills so i wanted to keep stressing yeah, yeah. my legs yeah which is why i did the marathon but so to give you an idea of the climbs and uh, i'm not sure about the 10k but the half marathon had just over 800 meters of climb right uh and the marathon had 2100 meters of climb so okay. yeah, which yeah. is fairly steep yeah, yeah um if you think when we did Scarfell Pike Marathon when we qualified for Transylvania that had 1,750 metres of a total climb yeah so it was more than that yeah and it's probably about the same as Transvolcania as a ratio is it or is it yeah, no it, so it's it's a, yeah it's about the same if you remember doing from the start of Transvolcania to El Pilar yeah was 24 kilometres and that was about 2,100 metres of climb so then just tack another just tack another chin or half marathon onto the end of that and you're just about there yeah okay flat half marathon and I presumed that the terrain would be interesting it would be a, a lovely and beautiful course and we'll get into some of that in a minute yeah so I stayed with a friend the night before really nice family did amazing pasta meal I've just never eaten so much pasta in my life yeah <laughs> was, was great and then got up in the morning and I guess the first confession of this is Staying in someone else's house was great, mm. but there's nothing like being not in control of everything because they were brilliant. I could have done whatever I liked, but it's just not being somewhere that you're used to being and not yeah, in your yeah. own stuff. So yeah. I had porridge for breakfast, which is what I'd normally have, but I'd normally have two slices of toast with peanut butter on it. I didn't do that 
not because they didn't have it and they would have offered it to me, but it just, I don't know why. It was just, I guess, lack yeah. of routine. And the same, I had a glass of water, but I'd normally make sure I drank at least two pints of water with my breakfast before doing something. And I didn't do that either. You didn't have any at all? Just a, just I just had, I literally had a glass of water by my bed. Yeah. And I had maybe three quarters to half a pint of water left in that in the morning. And that's what I drank before I left. And did you know the weather forecast? It was going... Yeah, we knew it was going to be warm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we... See the warning signs. See the warning signs. <laughs> yeah. And we can get into some more of why that was and why I ended up being like that a bit later on in, in this. So that was what we did. Um, that was what I did. And that's where I was. So we went to the event and I registered and did a bit of recording at the start. So here's a clip of that. So we're down at beautiful sunny Lulworth Cove, or just above the cove, um, ready for the Lulworth Cove Marathon. And I'm with my mates Mark and Jim, and they're going to do the half marathon. This is Mark's first ever half marathon, and he's about to do the Lulworth Cove half that's got 800 metres of climb in it. How are you feeling? Uh, I have to admit, a little bit nervous, and I blame you, Anthony. Well, so which, which idiot told you to do this as your it first half? Uh, well, I was listening to this podcast um, <laughs> called um, uh, Runners on Trail. <laughs> and I was listening to their advice, and uh, someone talked me into it. Yeah. Here I am. It's going to be. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be been, lovely, isn't it? Been, been to the Portaloos, saying to be proud of me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, ready to go. So, look, that was the start of the marathon. I just want to big up Mark a little bit. His first half marathon, and it's got... 800 meters of climbing. Get it. in. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do, if you're going to start, start big. I mean, as I said to him after that, you will never do a tougher half marathon probably. That's it. That's as tough as it will ever be for you. Beautiful views. Exactly. Yeah. Trails. Exactly. And he loved and, it really. Well, I, I, I'm not sure he loved it really, but I certainly <laughs> think he felt satisfied at the end of it. And that's a good thing. So the race organization at the beginning was okay. They'd had to move the start. It, the race is normally done in March. Yeah. And so they'd moved it to July because it, had, it was Beast from the East. Same thing that stops uh, okay. us from doing the Green Man Challenge. Yes. Called off uh, the Lulworth Cove Beast from the East being the, the, the snow, the yeah, snow yeah. front that came in March. And so they'd, they'd had to move the start because they couldn't put it on the beach where they normally put it because it's middle of summer, Lulworth Cove, lots of stuff happening. Right. So it was a little bit disorganised. So bag drop literally was drop your bags around the back of a tent. Yeah. Wasn't really controlled or anything. But other than that... You dropped your bag. I did drop my bag, <laughs> yes. But other than that, it was it was well run. And, and they were yeah. very friendly and everything seemed good. Yeah, yeah. So we lined out. And basically what they do is they start the ultra at half past seven in the morning, the marathon at half past eight, half marathon at half past nine, and then the 10K at half past ten. Right, okay. And, and that makes sense because the courses are slightly different. Yeah. You'd all be going through checkpoints and they'd be trying to divvy people off into different directions it didn't wouldn't work so that's what they do i think it's very sensible and the idea i guess is that people are rough not finishing at the same time but people will be finishing much closer together yeah, yeah. than they would be if you'd started it all at the same I, time I, I like i like the approach yeah, yeah i do I too it makes sense so we started running and here's the first clip from me on the run we're just over 10 percent into the uh lower code marathon Absolute nightmare at the start. Uh, just off being in the start, uh, the trail markings disappeared uh, at the junction, and so you had a hundred people not knowing which way to go, having to wait till the back markers caught us up to tell us. But hey, once they've done that, we got on the course, and it's been great since. Just literally went across a, a beach. Oh, it's really rocky. Uh, about to start another massive climb. Uh, there's a lot of climb on these cars. Literally, here we're almost going to get your hands down. 
but fun. Really enjoying it. The views are amazing. It's a bit warm, right? But there you go. So as you can hear, there are a few things there. So the bit at the start was almost farcical because we ran out of the start, down a road. You could still see the start. We got to a junction, went the direction the arrow said. There were no markings. We all came back, came running back into the, some of the <laughs> runners from behind. Everyone was milling around. They could see us from the start. People see people scratching their heads going, what's wrong? And eventually the, the sweepers came yeah. down the road yeah. and told us where to go. It was like some sort of Monty Python sketch. It was almost. <laughs> and, and I think that's probably a function of the fact they'd had to move the course and there'd been a bit, a bit of an error. And my friend Jim went down and had a look at the course markings afterwards, went back and spoke to the organisers and they managed to get it sorted before the yeah, start before of the, the half one. marathon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was that. As you can hear, I was 4K in there and... Working hard? Yeah, working hard. It, it was a... You know, we'd already done a couple of steep climbs. Yeah. And it was clearly a tough course. I mean, if you get you know, my hands down mm. going out part of that and it was warm and now i say it was warm i think the recorded temperature was around 25 26 it certainly felt a lot hotter than thames path had felt yes and i was on the coast of the breeze yeah yeah. so uh, whether that was a function of how i felt and dehydration Mm. or whether Mm. that was just because it was really hot and the ground had maintained heat and things because sand maintains a lot of heat yeah and, and therefore radiates it up i don't know but it was bakingly hot yeah. Well, that's at least how it felt. But from the start of that, as I said, unbelievably pretty course. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you're, on the, you're obviously on the coast at this point. Right uh, on the coast. You, you, is this where the, you know, you've got the doodle door, is it? And Durdle, Durdle the the other Durdle door. Durdle door is the other direction that I'm running at the moment. Okay. The course does go past Durdle door. Okay. So you, yeah, you which run, is the arch, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. So the way the course runs is you run out in one direction and then loop back inland for a bit. Yeah. And then back to the to almost near the start, and then yeah. out in the other direction. So it's almost like a figure eight, if you imagine. Okay, okay. Um, with the start in the middle of the eight. But it is hilly around there. Yeah, up and oh, down. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, but enjoyable too. So carried on from there, and there'd been an aid station at two kilometres, um, okay. just because it was a split in the track, and they'd used it. To, they'd had marshals there, so they thought the marshals would put an aid station with some water there. It made sense, which I'd not bothered really refilling at because it was all downhill and yeah, or where you go. And so then I poopled on towards what I thought was the next day sh- station at 10 kilometres. So here we are, just over eight and a half K into the Lower Cove Train Marathon. Oh, it's a steep course. It really is a steep course. Beautiful, but it's a very warm day. And I'm pounding up hill number, I don't know what, someone told me there's 16 peaks. I don't know if we've done. I haven't bothered counting, I think it'd be demoralising. But yeah, it's very warm and it's tough. But um, hour and six minutes in, you never know. I might get under five and a half hours. I think six is probably more likely, but we'll see. So look, um, there you go, next clip in, 8k in, tired, hot, well, you know, finding it tough and hot. At that point, I was feeling all right. You know, this is a mm. this is a good, fun course, and you're running along it and thinking, "Wow, the, mm. the views were just stunning, mm. Mm. absolutely stunning." Because it was early in the morning, there was no, there were very few people out. There's some amazing beaches there that you can literally only get to if you go along the coastal yeah. path. Yeah. So they're never going to get full of people. Really worth travelling down there just for a holiday or doing some trail running. And there were some beaches, and you could. I was looking at them, thinking, 
you know, on the way back, there is a temptation <laughs> to do a to do a Steve Cousins and yeah, just stop halfway through uh, for a quick swim. And yeah, it was it's a beautiful course, but as you can tell, my goodness, was it steep, and my goodness, was it warm. Yeah. You've seen that one where he jumps into the sea as well. Yeah, well yeah. He, he does it, he's done it several times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. got to enjoy the trail runs. Exactly, exactly. And I think there was a little bit about this. So the reason I was doing it was training for Squamish. And perhaps I was taking this a little bit too seriously. Yeah. Uh, especially given some of the things that hadn't gone right for me in the lead up to it, which we'll get on to in a minute. Maybe, do you think you were trying to compensate? Do you know what I mean? You're kind of like, oh, maybe my, my training and, and other aspects haven't gone so well. So I'm going to really, you know. No, I'm not, I'm not sure I was. I, I was certainly treating this as a training run. I yeah. wasn't treating it as a race. Okay. But I was certainly trying to run it at pace. Yeah, yeah. As a hard training run, rather than trying to do it as an enjoyable yeah, run yeah, yeah. For, for, for enjoyment's sake. Could, could you have done, could you have done it in the time limit and, and kind of enjoyed it? Was, was, was the time limits quite generous? Yeah. So you started at half eight in the morning and I think the, cutoff was either five or half five in okay, the afternoon so like seven seven and a half hours to uh what is that eight hours oh right okay oh yeah maybe more than that, no, nine hours nine hours yeah, oh so yeah so you have plenty of it's time it's plenty of time yeah yeah okay. um yeah and the cutoff's the same for everybody again so that's the, the yeah, yeah. Way because of the, the staggered start times yeah so no it, there was no pressure from that regard the only pressure i had as such but it wasn't really pressure was how i got away afterwards because mark and jim were running the half they'd have been finished and gone I had to somehow get to a train station from the middle of nowhere but they could I, have gone to the beach they could have <laughs> but I kind of realised that I, I there was plenty of people around who I could ask and actually as I ran around the course I, a couple of the guys people I got chatting to I was running the course were lived in Weymouth and one of the guys said he'd give me a lift and so I carried on and only a few kilometres later I recorded this clip so a quarter away through the Lulworth Cove marathon in one hour 20 minutes oh this really is brutal there's so much climb and it's so hot this race is really really tough you're gonna come and do it do some hill work first please please do some hill work first so there you go you can see how already quarter distance the amount of climb is really starting to affect me yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um so confession number two after thames path 100 i injured my foot yeah and you'll know that really stopped me training for quite a long time and i'd either got a stress fracture or something we're not really sure but i got a, an infection i was on antibiotics my foot was swollen so i hadn't really managed to do much training and the training i had managed to do was fairly flat mm. I really, really not done a lot of hill training. Yeah. And my goodness, if ever a course deserved mm. the respect of a lot of hill training, yeah, yeah, this course deserved it. Yeah. Now I was doing this as a training race for Squamish, so this was training to some degree. But my goodness, did I need to have done yeah. more training before I did this, or at least taken it more gently, maybe? So I'd not done enough training. Yeah, and the training, the training hadn't been specific. To what you're doing. Correct. Definitely hadn't been specific to this race, which. Yeah. And when was the last time you'd done some real hill work? Because Thames Path 100, we, there was no hill work requirement. No. So, so how far back do you go to having done hill yeah, work? Yeah. No, I had done as part of Thames Path, my Thames Path training, I had done some hill work. Okay. 
So, but you're probably talking April for proper hill work. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking like three months. Three months. Yeah, yeah. okay. I mean, I've done a few bits and pieces, but yeah, nothing but I would nothing, consider to be proper, yeah, yeah, not yeah. proper training bricks. Yeah, okay. So carried on going and got to the aid station that I've been expecting at 10 kilometres. So we've just gone through the first aid station on the Lulworth Cove Marathon. I reckon it came at about 15k, not 14. And uh, it was hidden as you came towards it behind a hedge. And so you couldn't see it, and it was miles, but you could see for miles in the distance. And I think people like me, or well, quite a few people like me, had, you know, got fairly far down on their liquids. I had a little bit left, but uh, not very much at all. And uh, as you came around the corner, everyone was going, ah, oh, brilliant. And they, they were all laughing, and literally everybody was having the same reaction. <coughs> now the uh, aid station's come through from fast. Having it turned out to only two miles away, and then after that, three. So, should be all fine from now on. Had some Coke, and some peanuts, and Doritos, definitely there for sugar and salt. Uh, topped up the bottles, and uh, we're off again. Big smiles now, a bit of shade running by, running through a field with some trees, which is absolutely lovely. The views on this run are amazing, and it is tough, and do train hard if you go come do it. But at the moment, I'd say, You've got to do it. It's beautiful. Beautiful. So for me, a few things. Firstly, the massive contrast between the previous clip and listening to myself and then having gone through an aid station. Yeah, yeah. Got some fuel, stopped for a bit, got some liquid, running in the shade rather than the sun. And you can, I think, just see the difference in, in, in attitude, how it felt. Yeah. I didn't realise at the time, but you can really... You can hear it. You can hear the... You're having a good time now. This is almost like from a different race. Exactly. Yeah. But confession number three. So I'm normally meticulous, as you know, about knowing where the aid stations are, what's going to be at the aid stations and everything else. Yeah. And I had absolutely got this wrong. So I hadn't filled up my bottles at the 2K aid station. I just said in the clip it was the first aid station. I guess it wasn't, but it was the first proper aid station. And I thought the first aid station proper was at 10K. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was at 14. And so I hadn't managed or thought about my liquids and it was a really hot day and I'd end up having to ration my liquid. So I started off dehydrated, yeah, possibly, yeah. and now I'm not been able to drink what I want to be able to drink. On a hot day. Yeah. On a hot day. Is it that you had forgotten where they were and you hadn't written them down? Was it you hadn't even looked or you'd glanced and forgotten? It's I it's I'd had a quick look, misread the website. What I'd done was yeah. because because there are different places for the different distances yeah. The first um, aid station for the half marathon was at 10K. Mm. And I'd been looking at that for Mark and Jim. Yeah. And misinterpreted it in my head. Yeah. And thought it was for the marathon. It's got quite a lot of parallels with what happened to me in Thames Park. It's got a huge number of parallels. I, I, I kind of looked and I knew where they were, but I hadn't done the maths. I didn't really have a chart with me. You know, all that kind of thing about pacing and, 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 and planning and... You, know, you just kind of take it, oh, it'll be fine. And, yeah. and and not really, really thought it through. And I think it's all about expectation management. Yeah. If you know and, and know what's happening, yeah. mentally you can try and con- control yourself. Yeah. You have a but framework and with it exactly. you can put stuff. If yeah. I'd known it was 14K, I could have run to 14K. But yeah. the crushing realisation as I got to 10K and said to someone, I thought there was an A station, they said, oh, it's not for another 4K. And I, my drinks bottle was literally on the bare bones of its backside. Yeah. The crushing disappointment yeah, of that yeah, yeah, yeah. was awful. Yeah. So yes, that was not good at all. But yeah. as I said, well, it was really interesting to go through the A station. Interesting drinking Coke, which I wouldn't normally drink, but that's what it felt 
felt yeah. good on the day. Salty stuff, not surprising, I guess, given how much we were sweating. But the difference of being in the shade was mm. just astronomical on that mm. day. It's a very exposed place to run, yeah. which is beautiful yeah. for views. Yeah, there's no trees around there, really. So no. Bushes and bits, but yeah. yeah, Beautiful for views. And I said that aid station, you were running down this hill. There was a big bush and nothing else. And you could see for miles. And you're thinking, where's the aid station? Yeah. I've got no water. <laughs> and they were hidden behind the bush. <laughs> and you, everyone was like, like Christmas. <laughs> literally, you came out and went, <laughs> and they, they were laughing and said everyone was having the same reaction because a lot of people were on the bare bones of their backsides because it was so hot and they were running out of liquids yeah but at that point I started to feel really good again I very positive coming out there I knew there were some very rapid aid stations coming mm. and I felt it was coming back to me mm. and it was good and so I pushed on some very steep climbs again mm. as we pushed on and I've got another clip as I went through uh, about 5k later it is a beautiful day it, we've done 22 kilometers in three hours. I'm just a bit more than 22k. Just gone through another aid station. It's been a couple actually since the one at 14k, which is good. And I'm walking this again up another hill, which is a feature of this thing. You know, if you want to do a hard training run, goodness me, you couldn't do much better. Hope Mark and Jim are doing all right. They'll be about two hours in. Out of what I hope will be three for them. Get around a half marathon, they should be alright. Hopefully, this will carry on and I'll get in under six, but I've heard that actually this one's a bit long and it's going to come in at about 28 miles. If it does that, I think it might be just over six hours. It really depends what the train's like. Between now and the end, my legs are already quite tired calves and quads and I've only done half of it which is slightly scary but the way to look at it now is it's a half marathon to do half marathon three hours get it done that's what the aim is what a beautiful day okay so 22 kilometers or so you're about 14 miles in yeah you said the legs were tight they were tired. I could tired. Feel, I could feel it. You know, the, the, I mean, more tired than I would want to feel at halfway through a race. Yeah, and that's not surprising. I guess I said there, it's a it's a great training run. I was talking to people. There were a lot of people that were using it as a tough training run. Yeah, in the same way as I was. And so we maybe I was pushing a little bit harder than I should have been, as we've discussed. Interestingly, I'd chosen to use road shoes, and the reason I'd done that was because of my foot injury. Yeah, I was worried about injuring myself again so I wanted something that would got a nice wide uh, foot and my road shoes are like that and they're nice and cushioned so I yeah. w- would have helped the issue became because it's so such a steep course yeah. in the ups and downs that as I was going downhill I was embedding on the front of a set of soft road trainers mm. now I trimmed my nails everything was good there but it was still embedding and I think that was infecting the way I was running the downhills yeah. quite a lot and that was putting a lot of strain on my legs so you just going past the point of maximum effort or you you know you, you're getting you're pushing you're pushing the limits of ups and downs and what you know your quads and everything do you think you're just bouncing off the yeah i mean you know in retrospect i should have just walked the downhills yeah whereas of course i was running the downhills as you'd expect to do yeah you know there's nothing wrong with what i did in theory yeah just the shoes were wrong to make it work yeah. so if you ended up, okay. ended up running sideways down a lot of the hills yes to save my feet and then you got worried about your feet rolling and, and it's a weird sensation on your legs so yeah yeah it just wasn't good. My speed was good. It was just 
the way I was doing it wasn't brilliant. Okay. And also at that point, which I didn't talk about in the clip, I was getting through my drinks powders quite quickly. And mm. I realized at that point, the chance I was going to run out before the end of the race because I was drinking so much. Yeah. Because it was so hot. Yeah. But even then, even with the amount I was drinking, I stopped to urinate just after that clip and it was mahogany colored when it came out. You know, it was, okay. we were, I was really dehydrating quite a lot. Yeah. And I realized I was. So I was trying to drink as much as I could. Yeah. But I'd almost got to that point as well where I felt I couldn't drink anymore. I didn't want to drink anymore. It was, yeah. There is that bit that you and I have discussed where you, you have to train yourself to drink a lot. Yeah, yeah. And be, and be used to drinking a lot, to be able to drink a lot. Yeah. Which you need to do. And that of course, food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And of course, part of my nutrition strategy is the liquids because the liquids have got carbohydrates yeah. in them. Yeah. And of course you can fat burn, but I wasn't trying to do it's that. It's not I, that kind of. I was a, running in no, no, way above the fat burning yeah, threshold at and, this point. And it's going to be a long time before you kind of really hit that point. Exactly. Unless you're used to doing it. No, exactly. So it was all leading. Yeah. In a bad direction, although I'm not sure I felt realised it quite was at that point. Do you think you could have backed off or do you think you'd have been better backing off retrospectively? Yes, absolutely. And, and, but you were still kind of in race mode and stuff? Yes. Right, okay. Absolutely. If I'd backed off at that point, yeah, I think I could have had a much better race than I did. Yeah. Maybe sacrifice half an hour in your time. Correct. Um, by taking it easy for an hour, for Correct. example, but actually pulled out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that will be obvious from the next clip. Okay. <laughs> Bracing myself. Yeah. <laughs> so, 27k into the Lulworth Cove trail marathon, and I've had a snack. My legs are completely gone. Quads, calves, everything. Um, not quite sure what to do. Another DNF to race in my life. Don't really want to start now. Uh, I am very tired. My legs hurt a lot. So I've got to make a decision as I go here. You know, it's about 15, 16k to go, I guess. 10 miles. Just got to work out if it's worth actually doing it. We'll see. So, you know, I think the you can hear the emotion in my voice there. Yeah, things have gone really not well for that last five kilometres. And and you're already clearly thinking about course of action and what to do, and it's it's quite an extreme course of action. Yeah, and so I guess next confession, I've been working quite hard at work for mm. about the month previous. And when I say quite hard, I've been getting about four hours sleep a night, and other than that, I was commuting to work, working or going home. Yeah. And that including weekends and stuff like that too. So in terms of rest and feeling bodily, having rested well before the race, I wasn't. So I was utterly fatigued. And I don't know if it comes through in my voice there, but I was utterly exhausted. Yeah. I I just really, I've never, I don't think I've ever felt that exhausted in a run. Yeah. Even on the Thames path and things. It, It was just awful. Yeah. And I could, I felt really emotional. Mm, mm. I don't think I've ever felt quite like that yeah. on a run. And there was a lot of stuff going through my head. It was just awful. Were, 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 you, were you thinking about external things, internal things? Were you, were you, you know, all of a sudden you were, yeah, maybe you'd missed some warning signs. Uh, and then all of a sudden it all just kind of mounted up in one big go. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole way around, I've been thinking about work, which is not a positive way no, to be running at all. And I had to go to work the next day. Yeah. And I had to get back home and be ready to go to work the next day or working on a Sunday. So there was a lot of stuff going through my head about, it wasn't just about the race. It was yeah. about what would the impact of the race, if I carried on racing, would have then on my ability to work as well. So yeah, it wasn't good. just about the race. Yeah. It was about other things too, external mm-hmm. factors yeah. that were affecting me. But it was just the fact that mentally I was in a bad place as well as physically. Yes. And they say that, you know, ultra running, and I guess this wasn't an ultra, it was a marathon, but it, my goodness me, it's a tough one, is 90% mental and the other 10% is mental. Yeah, yeah. And I think certainly to agree, to a degree, that was relevant on that day. Yeah. I was really, really at that point, not in a good place. And it's kind of like that. It comes back to this thing about not knowing where the aid station was and, and stuff. It, you, maybe you weren't, it wasn't enough kind of, you know, you'd be thinking a lot about work and not, 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 not thinking and planning through the race and thinking of, well, okay, if it does go wrong, how do I cope? Just that and the other. Oh, it's going to be hot. You know, you hadn't really got a necessarily a, the strategy that you normally would. You normally, you know, you normally plan the, uh, plan these things thoroughly. And- yeah, exactly. I normally have strategies and it's all planned out in my head and I take each element as it comes and, yeah. and I can compartmentalize it. And I couldn't do any of that. Yeah. It sounds like it all hit you all at once. Yeah. Yes, it did. And certainly mentally, it hit me all at once. Physically, it probably been building. Yes. And maybe I'd not been paying enough attention to it. But yeah, yeah, it did all hit me at once. Which leads us to the next clip. So I pulled into the 28-kilometer aid station a little bit ago and uh, took stock of myself. I had a energy gel, which has some caffeine in it, and that really helped me to get there um, but I took stock and I've been doing some long hours at work so I'm physically tired and I've got a headache and all sorts of stuff and so knowing that Mark and Jim will be at the finish and I can get lift back to the train station which is going to be difficult anyway but that's not really the reason I've decided to pull it'll be my first DNF um, but I'm not upset about doing it it's the right thing to do. Uh, I'm just not ready today to do this. And I'll take what I can from it and learn from it and hopefully be back here next time, this time next year, to conquer the Lulworth Curve Trail Marathon. It is a beautiful course and uh, people are really having a fantastic time. But today for me, I just didn't have it in me. So there you go. Lesson learned. On to the next one. So I think what strikes me about that is, although I've pulled, how much better I sound. And yeah. I think in there, there was just, a, it's that bit of relief. Yeah, you've made a decision. Yeah, and no, I didn't have to run anymore. Funny old thing, my spirits rose a bit. It was, and it was really tough. I'd gone through the, through the 28 kilometre aid station. There was a big climb and I got about 100 metres into it and I sat down and one of the blokes I've been looping past said, come on, get up, keep going. I said, now, nah, do you know what? I'm pulling. And he went, no, you're not. I'm not going without you. And I said, yeah, you are, because I'm not going. He said, you'll regret it. And I looked him right in the eye and went, do you know what? I don't think I will. <laughs> and, and and he went, I went, go. And he went, fine. And off he went. And do you know what? And we can talk about it later, but I don't regret it. Okay. And, and we can talk okay. about why in a minute. But am I disappointed? Yes. Yeah. But I don't regret it. Yeah. And we'll get on to that, I guess, towards the end. 
I said I was about two kilometers from the finish line because it loops in this sort of figure eight thing. Mm. And I was able to go back and get a lift with Jim and Mark. So that was good. But I was utterly exhausted. Yeah. Mentally, as much as anything else. You know, I could have coped probably physically, maybe. But it was all the bit, it was the much wider stuff about getting back for work and being in a good shape and that sort of thing that was killing me. Yeah, yeah. So when you say you you don't regret it, that's because it was the right decision or is it because in some way there were lessons learnt and it had value in it? Do you know what I mean? In a subconscious way? Yeah, I I think for both. So ultimately, big thing going on work the next week, which I needed to achieve. and, And we've, you know, I'm now the other side of that and it all went very well. And if I hadn't, been fit enough to work yeah that that week that that might have made a big difference to me and I would always have you know the, the race wasn't the important thing at that point yes work was yeah and that's awful to say but that yeah, yeah. was important it's at life. that point yeah it's yeah. life work gets in the way of having a good time yeah so there was that but I also took a lot from it and as we go forward to Squamish having done this race and DNF taught me a lot yeah it taught me about where my body is and the condition my body's in yeah now whether I finished or not I probably would have learned that anyway yeah but I'm not sure I would have gained anything from finishing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. In more the, than, in, yeah in the long run yeah yeah more than I gained from stopping when I did and my yeah. recovery was better yeah and I didn't hurt myself on all of those things. Yeah. And when I spoke to Jim and Mark at the finish, because the bit I was about to run, the 18K, was the half marathon course. Yes. Effectively. Yeah, yeah. With the, with the bit bolted on at the beginning that they would have had to have done. And they said it was brutally tough, yeah. really dusty. I was going to be doing it in the heat of the day. Because yeah, at yeah. this point you're at, I think it was one o'clock in the afternoon or something, or yeah. half past 12. Yeah. And so ultimately, no, I don't regret it. Mm. But it's, it's always disappointing. You don't yeah. want a DNF. It feels like a, it feels like failure. Yeah, yeah. So I know when I pulled out of Thames Path, I was fine with it that day. But then over the next couple of days, I felt a bit depressed about it. But but apart from that, I, I kind of realised that I'd learnt a lot as well. I'd learnt a lot about shoes, foot care, you know, mistakes I've made. I'd learnt that I hadn't eaten properly and, and my water could have been better. And, and, and weirdly, if I hadn't have had that experience, then my spine fusion, my A race, it could have gone catastrophically wrong because those experiences were, were kind of correction points to put me on the right track for spine fusion, which is ultimately successful. Exactly. And Squamish is that for me. And I have fundamentally changed my race plan for Squamish based on what happened at Lulworth. Mm. And I think I will have a better race because of it. And not only because of what happened at Lulworth, but because of what happened after Lulworth. Because not only did I not finish the race, I then didn't carry out my post-race strategy, (laughs) which I normally do properly. So I did have my protein shake at the end, which is fine, but I didn't put on my compression. And I didn't take some anti-inflammatories after I'd eaten a meal straight afterwards a couple of days. And as a result, I had fairly significant delayed onset muscle soreness, or DOMS as people know it, Mm. for a few days afterwards, which I can't afford to do at Squamish because I'm yeah. racing a 50 mile race on the Saturday and then a 50 kilometer race on the Sunday. Yeah. So it's, again, it's about sticking to routine, you know, when things don't go right, coping mentally yeah. and still doing the right thing. Yeah. And in some ways, maybe it's giving you, do you think like a low watermark 
in in terms of given experiences that you know where if in that same situation where you were feeling earlier in the race you would take more corrective action by slowing down sorting things out accepting a slower time being comfortable with that and then picking up later and stuff because gives you more experience yeah it's those cookies in the jar that you've mentioned in other things it's those mental reference markers to say i've been here before Right, how can I make it better than it was last time? Yeah, it's almost like the definition of experience, isn't it? Absolutely. Becoming experienced. Your wisdom or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. And doing that right. So I went back to the finish and met Mark and Jim there. They finished at about three hours and four minutes. That's cool. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, and they'd had, they said it was a brutal course. Yeah. And they were good enough to give me a lift back to the station. and, And Mark recorded some fairly amusing stuff in the car, which unfortunately didn't record properly on my podcasting kit which was the classic um, friend stuff of him waving his medal in my face and going, look what I got. Look what you didn't get. Um, <laughs> cheers, mate. But just to, uh, which was quite amusing, given the fact I'd persuaded him to run this very tough half marathon was, was fairly fair. And the I've kind, got mine. Yeah, and, and he knows me well enough to know it was the kind of banter I needed to make me smile a little bit uh, as I went back. So what do I take from this? And what... What would I suggest to people that they do and get it right? So I guess number one, train for the event. Yes. And if not, if you're not going to, if you're training for something else, accept that the event you're going to run will be difficult. Yes. Yeah. And much more difficult than you think it's going to be. Make sure you know the event. Mm. So know the elevation. I did that. Had I really realized the steepness of bits and pieces? Probably not. I wore the shoes I thought I should have worn for the event. And if I stepped back and had to run it again with no knowledge, I probably would have worn the same shoes. Now I know I wouldn't dare run it in road shoes again. Yes. I don't care how sore my feet would get. You'd need to run it in trail shoes, I think. Yeah. Know where the aid stations are. Yes. For goodness sake, you know, know where you're going to eat your liquids and nutrition. Yeah. So that you can cope accordingly. And for goodness sake, you know, start hydrated. If ever, yes. if ever that's the thing I've said to you. I know. I know. I, I, know. <laughs> I would have started slower. Yeah. Just to have coped better. It was so hot. You know, I, I tried to run it too hard. I wanted to finish as quick as I could to yeah, get back were, to do work. I mean, it, you know, it's all there. You can see where all the issues are starting from. And also you're probably under a bit of pressure because Jim and... Mark, yeah, well, they were going to go anyway and just abandon me at the race. But that was okay. the way it was. Yeah. I couldn't have changed work, but I could have prepared mentally better in that in that I think I could have compartmented that away if I'd thought enough about it. Yeah, yeah. Put it to one side and just concentrate on the race. Did, 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 yeah, maybe that's the right word, compartmentalise. Could it have been that you said, right, between time A and time B, giving yourself capacity for dealing with a slower race, this is it, uh, this is my time. And then on, you know, at six o'clock in the evening, I start work again. Exactly. Cause thinking about work wouldn't have maybe finished the race any quicker. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I can do that, but yeah. I didn't do it in this race. I'll just, you didn't consider the range of possibilities. I just didn't plan properly. Yeah. And the last bit for, for this race, if you're going to do it, which is nothing to do with this bit, but just an add on. It's a race that really benefits from poles. I think right. there were people running with poles who I could see were having a much better time on the climbs. Yeah. Now I'm, I wouldn't have ever used poles for this because I can't use poles at Squamish. Yeah. So, and this was a training race for Squamish, so I wouldn't have used poles. But if I go back to run it, yeah, as not as not a training run for Squamish, I will use poles. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. will make a hell of a difference. So there you go, a learning experience. I, I'd like to finish by saying that because I all this was can sound quite negative about the race, it was nothing to do with the race. It was all to do with me. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Trail Events Company ran a great event. Um, you get a really good t-shirt by the way which I won't ever wear 
because I didn't complete the race. <laughs> um, they didn't give me the ticket. I didn't get the medal, of course. But I really would recommend them, especially if you want to do some... They're, they're, they are tough runs. The Exmoor run is over 3,000 metres of climb there's, for a there's marathon. There's a reason Randolph Fines comes from Exmoor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've done an adventure race. I, I, want, I, I really God. want to do the Exmoor race now. I've seen it 3,000 oh, metres because it's just ludicrous. It's a bloody place. <laughs> yeah. But no, a nicely run event. And so please don't... And, and the A stations were good. The staff were lovely. Everything was good. Yeah, yeah. It was only me that was bad. Yeah. yeah. And so we move on. And in August, I've got Squamish. Yes. Off to Canada. Yeah. To race with your brother for the first time. Yeah, day, I know. Which should be good. Are you going to podcast with him? We might. I'll do some recording with him, definitely. And we'll even try and Skype back to you, maybe. That would be cool. After the second day, because uh, the first day, by the time I get back to accommodation and go to bed and have to get up and go back to the start again I'm not sure I've got time to we'll find a slot talk to you we'll find a slot everyone says he sounds identical to me so that might be well that'd be interesting (laughs) I've not spoken to him we've only conversed over WhatsApp yeah so having learnt the lessons from Dulworth Cove are you now applying those to Squamish in your planning are you looking at the the race dynamics the the age stage you know are you now transposing that across and thinking right like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> so I've got the profiles. I've looked at the aid stations. Uh, I've looked at where the aid stations are in terms of the hills and climbs. Uh, I've looked at what the gaps are between the hills. I've looked at day one and day two and, and what the differences are and how they fit together. I've started thinking about nutrition specific to each element between aid stations. Yeah. Much, much more. I mean, I might have done that anyway, but I'm paying specific attention to it now. And you managing your expectations about, you know, what 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 you know what you're going to try and do, and what what's what's what what's the desired outcomes and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I've massively reined back on my desires and expectations for finishing times and things like that. I, you've got to have, I think, a certain finishing time in mind for the first day if you're doing the two day, because there is a bit where you have to finish, get back to your accommodation, shower, sleep, roll yourself out. Get yeah, up, yeah, yeah. have something to eat, get back to the start. Yeah. So there's that bit. So I think 14 hours for the first, for the 50 miler yeah. is about the sweet spot. Yeah. Gives me 10 hours to get back to the accommodation, have something to eat, have a shower, go to bed, get about six hours sleep. Yeah. And I think that's probably all I get anyway. I'd probably wake up. Yeah. 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 And then get back to the start yeah. to run the 50k. And the yeah. 50k has an 11 and a half hour cutoff. Yeah. And I have no issue if I use the entire lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I think probably 10 hours is probably about the right amount of time. Okay. To to you know, to set myself a target because that gives me an hour and a half of flex yeah, if yeah. it goes wrong. Yeah. So if I if I start my pacing to do 10 hours. Yeah. And if it starts to feel good halfway through and I can speed up a bit then I'll speed up a bit. Yeah. But I'm not going to try and push myself to anything quicker than that. Yeah. So come back in September and listen to what happened at Squamish. Hopefully that won't be even more trail mm, and error mm. and be a little bit more positive. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Runners on Trail and you can contact us on email at Runners on Trail at gmail.com. Well, you can. Yay. You're getting better at this. <laughs> we'll be back on air in September. Runners on Trail.